Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to part two of The Guilty Feminist. So plug in. And get ready for the fun. Hello, Adelaide. Are you ready for the second half of The Guilty Feminist? Then please welcome back to the stage Deborah Francis White and Geraldine Hickey. I seem to have a microphone in both hands. Oh, how come? I don't really know how that's happened. They call that double fisting in places. <laughs> Do they, Geraldine? Yeah. It's normally, it's like when you've got two drinks. Yeah. Double fisting. Very handy if you want to, um, if you're not good with um, talking to people at parties. How does that help you? Well, if it's a good conversation, you can, you've got two drinks. And if you want to get out of the conversation, if like, you've got nothing left to say, you go, oh, sorry, I've just... I've got to go take this to my friend. <laughs> and then you just go and drink in the corner. That's good. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Oh, she's just over there. I, like, saying, like, I'm just imagining the friends. Oh, right, yeah. You've, you've been seduced I looked by up the person, there's someone up on the balcony. Oh, oh there it is, my friend. Hello. <laughs> it is now. Um, I'm a feminist. 
I have a feminist, what, but I once sustained a lie over a whole evening to a very close female friend of mine because we went to her wedding mm-hmm. and my husband, Tom Selinsky, who produces this podcast, he can find... There's a fan of Tom's yeah. there. Um, <laughs> he can find long evenings where he doesn't really know people and the band's very loud, yeah. really challenging. Yeah, I, di- I don't mean challenging, I mean unbearable. Mm-hmm. And he just can't do it. And we'd, we hadn't been there long. We'd had like one drink and then this very loud band started up and he didn't know anyone and he just said, I just can't stay. And I went, well, you can't go. And it, I, it's her wedding and we've only just got here. And he went, I can't, I can't stay. I said, well, I can't go. And he said, no, 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 you definitely should stay, but I'm going. And I went, well, I can't say you've gone. I'm just going to have to pretend you're still here. So you need definitely not to say goodbye to the bride or groom. I said, just act as if you're going to the loo, and I will manufacture your presence here for the rest of the evening. (laughs) So then every time the bride came over, she would say she loves him. She calls him Tom Lumbo. It's a joke about Columbo. Detective, if you're very young, a TV detective. And she'd come over and say, where's Tom Lumbo? And I'd be like, oh, he's just over there. And then I'd just point to a man with the same colour hair who was in the corner. Talking to somebody. Yeah. yeah. And then she'd head over towards him and then she'd get interrupted because she was the bride, which I knew that she would. Amazing. Someone would grab her and answer that. But a couple of times she said, where is he? And I just had to say, oh, he's gone outside for a breath of fresh air. She knows he doesn't smoke. And I kept him there for a full evening. So I, he didn't leave that party till 1am. He... He'd be, he'd been was in bed since doing nine. big lines and big shits in the toilet. That's what I would have thought. One of the other. You would have assumed Tom Selinsky was doing... If pa- someone said to me... An enormous if I said, where's, okay. where's so-and-so? And they said, oh, oh he's just in the toilet. Oh, and I hadn't seen them all night. And Yeah, big shits. <laughs> or big lines. Well, one can lead to another, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard. Yeah. Um, Tom Selinsky is the least likely person to do a line of cocaine in my life. In, in, of anyone I or you know. Yeah, or maybe just, like, when I say big lines, I mean um, there's a big line to get to the toilet. Oh. To do big shit. It's so cute. That, that's the... <laughs> I love talking about feminism. <laughs> <laughs> well, Geraldine, I have asked all of these people mm-hmm. if they can give me some acts of feminism they've done. And I actually do want to hear from you guys if you've got anything you want us to help with. But we started off with gentle ones that we think, you know, mm-hmm. people could, you know, wouldn't intimidate anyone, wouldn't oh, put yeah, anyone Oh, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons, playing with your kids. I exactly, think. absolutely, yeah. that kind of thing. Have you got a small, medium or large act of feminism that you've done since I saw you last? I haven't seen you for two and a half years. Sure. I, um, I ran to, the, um, to a, a protest for reproductive rights. You ran to yeah. the protest? You I ran know. to a march? Yeah. Because that means when you get there, you're slowing down. Yeah, that feels run. like the wrong way round. You should march no, no, to no. a run. No, it's great because you, you do your run and then it's a good cool down <laughs> doing the... <laughs> doing the march. Why would you run to a march? Well, (laughs) 
It may have been because I was late, because I was shopping. <laughs> oh. oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm a feminist, but I, you know, I actually had a thing mm. in London. I was meant to be speaking at an abortion rally in London, mm. and it was at the American Embassy, and I, it was incompetence. That's why I was late. Mm-hmm. It was incompetence. It was um, my inability to figure out how much time I need to get places. Oh, yeah, I can I'm, relate. Yeah, yeah, I was late because of yeah. excuses. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll just jump in a cab. I'll just jump in a black cab. Now, the embarrassing thing is everyone else had marched from Trafalgar Square to the embassy. Oh. And I had to speak, but I only had to speak at the embassy part, and I was doing something else, so... You There's get... no excuse for why I didn't march from Trafalgar Square to the embassy and arrived in a black cab. But I said to the driver, you've got to get me there. And black cab drivers, are, you know, they really know that the, the whole point mm. is they've got this, the knowledge. And they're also allowed in lanes no one else is allowed in. And they, they know shortcuts. They were a genius. I mean, it's a dying art because of, you know, Ubers and stuff. And it's a shame because they're incredible. Um, but I said to this guy, you've got to get me. I'm speaking at a march. And he went, oh, yeah, all right, love. What's, what's the march about? And I was like, you know, look, it's about abortion, but you've just, whatever you need to do to get me there, whatever laws you need to break, it's important for feminism that you get me there. He was like, all right, love. And he loved that because he felt like James Bond. He was like, yeah, up one ways, you know, back, backing around the corner. Oh, he was, he was loving it. It was a real, you know, like a high-speed car chase through London. And he got me to the American embassy. Honestly, as I stepped out of the car, they were announcing my name. I'm not making that up. Oh. It was so James Bond. I opened the door and I heard them say, and it was like they, someone looked over and went, she's here, like that. Oh, it was that's... like, thumbs up, thumbs up, Deborah Francis White. I stepped out of a cab and onto the stage. I couldn't really hide what I'd done because normally I would like to yeah. mill in a bit and act like I'd marched. And I was like, oh, no. I walked on stage, and as I got out of the cab, I said to him, you're a feminist hero, sir. You're a feminist hero. I want you to tell everyone you're a feminist hero. He went, oh, I, I don't know about that. But I do think... <laughs> he, said, he said to me, I mean, abortion, you know, I don't know, I don't know. He said, oh, look, all I think is ladies' choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, all right, if you add people of minorities' genders into that, that's, that's yeah. not... It's not the worst... It's not the worst... Yeah. They so can good, choose the next song on the jukebox and what they want to do with their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> the next round is ladies' choice. We'll have some white wine spritzers. Ladies' choice. Um, yeah, we'll have a. We'll, we'll, listen, we'll have a round of unfertilized ovaries over here. At table six. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, he picked me up another day. Oh. Yeah, I saw him again. Um, they, there's certain ones that are around my area on the app that know me. I oh, get in the car okay. and they're like, yeah, yeah. you know, hi, Deborah. They, yeah. they like, and they'll usually tell you, they're like, oh, last time I saw you, I was taking you to this or that. How did it go? You know, because um, they usually ask what I'm doing. I say, I'm going to a comedy gig. I'm going to do this, that. And uh, so, he, I mean, I don't take that many cabs that all the taxi drivers in London know no, me. No, I, I know what you mean. But yeah, there's yeah, a few yeah. on the app who've. And you, you're, you're memorable. <laughs> well, I'm in a cape, usually. Yeah. One time, I'll tell you, one time, you know that feminist headdress I've got that's on the front of my book? Have you, have you guys seen yeah, that? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a fascinator, and in feathers, it spells out feminist. And 
I needed to go to a show where I was wearing it. And it's very difficult to transport um, because, you know, it's so easy for that to get crushed on. You, we, I was getting on a train, so, you know, if you put it up, so I thought, I'm just going to have to wear it because that's the safest mm. way to transport it. So well, wrap it in some tissue paper or something. It, I was running late, uh, as yeah. always. Oh, yeah, yeah, And sorry. I had to catch a train. Yeah, put on it on. On the way, I had to vote because it was the general election. <laughs> yeah. And so... I just thought, I'll bang it on. But I sort of forgot I had it on because it was just the way I was doing yeah. it. So I ran in, I jump in the back of the cab and as I get in, it sort of bump, bounces on the roof and I'm like, oh, you know. Anyway, I say, look, so I've, you need to take me down to Liverpool Station but can you just whiz around the corner at this and I'm just going to jump out and vote and you just wait there. And he went, all right, all right. Anyway, then when I jumped out of the car, he just went, do you know you've got that on? <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah. And as I walked in to the voting booth, like I walked into the sort of voting centre, it was like just our local community centre. Mm. As I walked in, the guy who's at the door, you know, there's a guy at the door giving you a leaflet or a vote or whatever. Had a vote card. Yeah, like yeah. a welcoming guy. He just looked at oh. he just looked at me and went up the power. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked out. I thought it's not really a very secret how I'm going to vote. I'm not voting Conservative wearing this. <laughs> I'd be terrible in a police state. Now, I would not be able to keep this. <laughs> I would. I, I have too many ostentatious. Cl- I'd be gone. Um, did you say what you'd done for feminism? Oh, that's right. You yeah, ran I ran to a march. Um, I ran to the march because I, I ran because I was um, I'd been shopping, and then um, I looked at how much time it was going to take me to get to the march if I caught public transport, and then I went, I've just, I'm going to run. And I ran the fastest that I've ever run. Was it like, did you feel like you were a superhero for I feminism? really did. Did you run it like, like Superman? You know how he runs really fast? Oh, yeah. I felt, like I felt the feminist power within, for sure. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of estimated how long it would take. Um, and anyway, I ran um, three and a half K in under 25 minutes. Wow. Thanks. I, so I, some I, people can run 5K in that amount of time, but... <laughs> I went to the me. gym yesterday mm. because I was really feeling like I hadn't, done, I hadn't moved much in a while. And I was just like, you've just got to... I've been trying to do bits of you know, stuff on, as I'm travelling around. Machines, yeah. yeah, I do stuff on my... Like I have a Peloton app, so, you know, and I d- does dance cardio and yoga and oh, stuff fun. like that. So I've been doing that. But I thought, I oh, know I really need to go and actually get my heart beating properly. And I was doing machines. And I can run for one minute and then I have to walk again. Like, in one minute and then I have to walk again. Yeah, but so, that's how you start. Yeah, but I've been, I was so fit during the lockdown because I was working oh. out the whole time and it's just a few months back to normal life. See, lockdown for me, I went, um, I ate pasta and bread <laughs> and <laughs> not just much fans of pasta, yeah. fans of carbohydrates in? Yeah, <laughs> big, like lots of, like we had, um, yeah, lots of, what did we have? Anyway, it doesn't matter. And then not, not much, just lots of comfort eating. And then I stacked it on. And then I went on and I went, I wanted to lose weight, not for any cosmetic reasons or anything like that. It was just because sometimes I like to sleep on my back and, <laughs> and like put my hands there. <laughs> but then I, I couldn't reach. So <laughs> I, I started, stopped eating bread and pasta as much. 
And then I with um, and then my partner Kath was like, We're, "Our work's doing a ten thousand step challenge. Do you want to join our team?" And I'm like, "Yes, I love steps. Love them." Um, I just and hate I, that. Yeah, and so I love much. a challenge, but I was like, but I'd be walking around just being like, "Oh my god, this takes forever." Yeah, <laughs> like there has to be a quicker way of getting your steps in, and there is, and it's it's running. Um, <laughs> so. So I took, I took up running. It. They've yeah. invented a quicker way to get your steps in. Yeah. Do you think that's why running was invented? Yeah, I reckon. A quicker so, way to get your steps in. Yeah, like they found out about that 10,000 step myth and they went, well, 10,000, that's like four hours of walking. We could do, run that and do it in an hour and then yeah, it would, pop it, yourself it, on the couch. It would take me... <laughs> so, I mean, oh, yeah, I don't know. I just find my fitness waxes and wanes so quickly... And when I'm feeling fit, I'm like, I'm never not going to be fit again. I love moving. I'm all about exercise. I can't believe it. And then, you know, like something happens and something else yeah. happens. I get a cold. I get my period. And then it's, I can't remember ever having exercised ever. And I just think, I, I, why would I ever move? I'm a sedentary creature, I think. And yeah. then I do one lot of exercise. I go, well, this is it. This is, it's medicine. It's life. It's soul. I'll never not exercise yes. again. And then, and then I two forget, days later. I forget. I totally never. forget about it. And I'm like, no, I'm not me. I feel like I've genuinely, it's like... Um, you know that man in Memento who tattooed things God, on his please. arm because he'd forget everything? Yeah. I need to have tattooed on my forehead, you like moving, but like <laughs> back to front so when I look in the mirror I see oh, it. Yeah, yeah. If there are any tattoo artists or, in who could do that discreetly and make it look, you know, chic. You sh- just write it on your mirror. Oh, that's good. That's better. <laughs> That's actually... No, you're right there. This is why I invite you on the show, Geraldine, Thank because you. I feel I get so much out of it. Yeah. We, sh- we should get our guests yes. on, I think. Yes, we let's should get it. our guests on. Okay. Um, all right. <clears throat> this is a serious and important part. Now, I have to shuffle papers, so just busk. Yeah. That was... That was not, not, not what you wanted. Bus, busking. <laughs> Busk. Is any anyone? Um... I don't. I don't mean like sing an Ed Sheeran song. I meant just like Phil, you know, say something funny or something. Oh yeah. Don't well, mean like get out a hat and a guitar. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That's all I knew of busking. <laughs> <laughs> Did you start singing the James Bond theme tune? Because that would be an unusual bus. He died. James Bond. No, the guy that wrote the theme tune. Oh, I thought you meant James Bond, because yeah. that's a bit of a spoiler yeah. for people who haven't seen the latest film. Yeah, the guy who wrote the theme tune, oh. he was in his 90s. He's had a good innings. Yeah. And he probably is quite rich. How was that fulfilling in time? <laughs> At a the... feminist podcast, we start talking about James Bond. <laughs> He's got more feminist over the ages. I mean, not more feminist, is wrong, less yeah. of a horrendous yeah. feminist. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I quite like the Daniel Craig era because they said to him on well, Monica Bellucci was doing the uh, Bond girling and mm. they kept saying, uh, journalists kept saying to him, um, oh, you, you know, she's, Monica Bellucci's got you as a toy boy and how do you feel about an older Bond girl? And he was like, she's age appropriate. We're the same age. <laughs> and he kept saying to the press, no, we are the same age. She's like 18 months older than me. That's the same age. Oh, yeah, but she's an older lady. Yeah. 
I just love that. I love Andy Murray for that as well. Every time you see Andy Murray, because he hates the press, Andy Murray, and they'll go, you're the first person to, you know, get three Grand Slams and an Olympics the same year, and he'll just look at them and go, first man. They go, what? First man. Yes. Serena's done loads. And they'll go, ah! And then they always laugh, and he just stares them out. He doesn't, he, what, he doesn't smile. He doesn't give them anything. He doesn't give them a, like, you know, he just goes, yeah, it's appalling journalism. Yeah. Just love him so much. I don't know actually whether he'd like me even. I, I don't suspect he would have, I don't think he likes many people or things. Oh. But I love him and I would say to him, Andy Murray, you don't have to love me. Yeah. I love you anyway. Because it's, it's lady's choice. Yeah. <laughs> Our guests today are a so, oh, now I fucked up already. Okay, just busk. <laughs> don't busk. Don't busk. Our guests. Our guests today. A guest today is a hard thing to say. Yes. Um, our guests in Adelaide. How about that? Yes. Our guests in Adelaide are associate professor Anna Ziesch, qualitative and quantitative social scientist, with an overarching interest in health inequities. Anna's main focus is more recently the social determinants of refugee health and well-being and also the links between discrimination and health. Please welcome Anna Zish. Not even panto season and you're behind me. Um, Our second guest works in the human services sector Her educational background is in counselling, social sciences and international development. She is passionate about working with individuals, groups and communities to create social change. Her work mostly revolves around working with... I think it should be working... Her work mostly revolves around working with newly arrived communities, whether in research, group work or on an individual basis. Awit is also on the advisory board and group facilitator at WIT21 Hub, an international development organization that is vigilant about child injustices. Please welcome Awit Kwach. It feels from those cheers like you've got friends in. Did you bring them in, or Adelaide's just one of the... Because I feel Adelaide's one of those towns where everyone knows everyone. Because I, I, backstage, we were referring uh, to Manal, and you said, oh, yeah, we know Manal. Like, you were just like... And I was like, that's right, I'd forgotten that Adelaide is like that. Because when I was here for the festival, I started to recognise strangers. Like, I'd be like... I'd be in a shop, and I'd be like, I was with her on the bus. And then I'd see her again, in a, you know, down in a dry cleaners. I'd be like, yep, I know... I've, we have... I, I, one of us seems like we're following the other, but we weren't. We were just in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, weird. Yes, I have a couple of people. <laughs> you have a couple of people in. Do you know they're in? Or if, if they've just... Just give us a cheer if you know a witch personally. Okay, that was a lot of people. Yeah, I only yeah. know three. <laughs> yeah, p- people... No, I reckon those threes made it sound like they're 50. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anna and a you are two fascinating women and fascinating feminists. Anna, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about your research, what it's about and what you found, just to give a broad overview? Yeah, sure. Thanks. And thanks for the opportunity to be here. I'd also wanted to pay respects to 
Ghana elders, past, present and emerging and any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here tonight. Um, so yeah, my research has been done a lot in collaboration with communities and NGOs in the migrant and refugee sector. And it's been looking at the factors that have an impact on health and wellbeing, particularly um, all the elements of resettlement when people arrive in Australia that are important for wellbeing and feeling part of society. One of the things we particularly wanted to talk about tonight was um, some work that I have um, been doing with some colleagues at Flinders University and Adelaide University, and Awit has kindly been a community advisor on it, uh, looking at employment experiences for women from refugee backgrounds. So why is it gendered when we're looking at refugees and employment opportunities? I think, I mean, what we found in our research is that there's a range of um, barriers to finding employment in Australia, good employment that's good for wellbeing, and some of them relate to being a new arrival and coming from a refugee background. So they're things like maybe not, if you're not from an English-speaking country, the language barriers, it might be that your qualifications haven't been recognised, um, it might be visa restrictions not knowing how the job system works here or knowing people who can help you. Um, but there are also things that are about being a woman. And so in particular, childcare is a big issue and that can have an impact for people, not just here and now when they're looking for work that's uh, within school hours if they have school children or with younger children not being able to afford um, appropriate childcare, but it can also have an impact on when you first arrive, um, it's often an opportunity to learn a language and make those connections, but if you're focused at home on your family, then sometimes you can miss the chance to, to make some of those um, language leaps and some of the connections around employment. And some of the supports that happen in Australia happen largely in the first five years, so women can miss out on that opportunity to have the supports to connect them in. And some of the services may be not uh, gender-informed, so there are different elements um, for women on top of uh, coming from a refugee background. But there are many strengths that women from refugee backgrounds bring as well. Um, there's a lot of uh, skills and contributions that, that women are making to their families, to their communities. There's a really strong desire when it's appropriate in the rest of their lives to be involved in employment. And there's many skills and expertise to offer, but there are those barriers that have, in our research, led to lower rates of employment for women from refugee background from women in the general population and also men from refugee backgrounds. So we're seeing those layers um, about coming from a refugee background if you're a woman. Do you find this too in your work with? Um, yeah, um, I do. I think um, some of the points that Anna... Um, talked about is that so within the first five years um, uh, they just so preoccupied to um, to settle their families and things like that and so by the time they get to the five-year mark they're like they don't have services that are actually um, you know supporting them because they don't they're not eligible for those services anymore so then you know um, it's like where do they go so this all those barriers. Um, so you, when a client walks in um, into one of our services, it's like you have to treat them like they've just arrived, you know. And it's really, you know, just simple things like, you know, they'll come in and they're like, I'm looking for employment. I've been looking for me employment for a very long time, but I don't have any. And then you ask them, oh, um, do you have a resume? They're like, no, what's that? So it's just as simple as that, and then we start from there on uh, and work with them. So, yeah. 
You're doing some, yeah, you're doing some really great work and it sounds like you're picking up some slack from you know, where the government leaves off um, and where sometimes women get left out of that loop. Yeah, so talk to us about, um, like, obviously we do have a new government. Has, has there been any changes in, you know, policies and things like that that's, that's good? <laughs> we definitely Give us want some to go in news. the right direction. Yeah. Give us some good news. Do I you? mean, it's fairly early days. We can go off what's been said will happen. So yeah. one, of the, one of the key things for people from refugee backgrounds is a group in Australia who have been only allowed to be on temporary protection visas. And this has meant like many constraints on their lives in terms of some of them uh, expect you to live in a regional area for the for for most of the visa that you're on. Um, there are restraints on um, constraints on family reunion, bringing people over, on being able to travel, eligibility for services. So a key thing that you know those of us working in the refugee health and advocacy space has been concerned about the temporary visas and the incoming government has said that they will they will abolish those and transition people to permanent visas. Oh, so, yeah. so we've got to keep them to that. Um, and they also talk of a bigger quota, um, so larger numbers of people coming in because we've reduced that over the last number of years. Why were we so hell-bent on getting people in regional areas and... What, what could we have done? What did regional areas need in order to make it work? Or is, is it possible? Sorry. I'll let you speak, sorry. <laughs> no, I'd like to hear your answer. <laughs> um, I think the, there's a range of reasons why regional areas were originally a focus, and that's, a lot of that's around skills shortages. And so that By regional, sorry, can I just interrupt? Do we mean rural? rural well, in Australia, yeah. we sort of say regional out of the city, and then rural is further out of the city. Okay, so, so refugees often come to cities because there's more employment opportunities, but they would send people to the regions, which is not the bush... But it's like, describe what's... Re can you give me a reference point? So, in, in, interestingly, in some of the bigger cities are considered regional for this purpose. If, like, Adelaide has been considered regional because we're... How <laughs> insulting. <laughs> Sorry, How? Adelaide. It's not my decision. Insulting. <laughs> Outrageous. Bendigo is, would be we're regional. regional. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Is Sid Sydney is a city, but Aubrey Wodonga would be yeah. regional. Regional, yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, That's so. where I'm from. Is it? Yeah. That was a nice segue. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just pulled that out of the air as somewhere I knew that sounded regional. And you were correct. Yeah. <laughs> so you are from the regions. Oh, yeah, I'm, I grew up in regional Australia. Okay. But you've, been, you've, you've headed towards the city. Yeah. Because you've... you've yeah, a bit more comedy in the city than in <laughs> regional Albury-Wodonga. <laughs> um, Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Okay, so have so when you say refugees have been sent to the regions, it means like they have to stay there. Like so well, no, it's it's not a policy that you're sent there. So there's a there's an the government here has said they would like 50% of refugees coming in to be to be settled in a regional area. You don't have to stay there. That's your original place of settlement. Um, there's there's a range of benefits for some people who come from rural or regional backgrounds from their home country. It's a benefit to go to a to a smaller area. There can be other employment opportunities that wouldn't be in the city. Many people want to live in the city partly not just for employment but also for community connections. Um, so that can be one of the challenges in regional areas. So sometimes there's efforts to, to bring in people from, from the similar community to, to build those connections. There's, there's really positive examples in regional areas really. Um, I think regional areas are known for welcome and connection. There can be maybe less ethnic diversity in, in regional areas so there's some work to be done there. But... We've seen examples of, of regional towns really setting up connections to, to bring in communities and, and create a culture of welcome. So there's the, there's the potential benefit. The visa I was talking about is called a safe haven enterprise visa. And we can, I think it was Clive Palmer who came up with the idea. Um, Clive Palmer's <laughs> not popular, is it? I don't know anything about Clive Palmer. Oh, but well, I get the like sense him. from this room he's not a feminist. <laughs> 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 The muttering that went on there. Yeah, there's, there's a bit to unpack. Wherever he is, there's a chill running down his spine. He's gone, yeah. oh, what's happened? <laughs> He's felt that. He's felt the vibrations of that. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, no, we don't have time to talk about Clive. <laughs> I'll tell uh, wait, you later. Can you give me Clive Palmer in three words? I'm really sorry. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Good. What a gift. <laughs> A wit has been living in blissful ignorance. Yeah. Okay. He was a, uh, he was a miner <laughs> that went into politics. A miner that went into politics. Very right wing. Very right wing. And it yeah. had far right minor. Nigel Farage. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So he made a policy... He's, it was a, he didn't make it himself. It was a suggestion. I can't remember the exact details of he it. He popped but it was a suggestion in the suggestion box. <laughs> the suggestion box. <laughs> but it was about um, encouraging people into the regions to fill skills shortages, maybe not to find the right fit for mm. where people might want to settle. But it wasn't... You don't have to stay there. Mm. You can leave, but that's the initial settlement process. Right. And uh, what... Can I ask... What are some positive things that facilitate women from refugee backgrounds accessing employment? Like, can you tell us what's the ideal? What's the what's the if you were running things? If your suggestions were taken out of the suggestion box and immediately enacted, a wit, what would you suggest? What kind of things? What works? Like, what works for um, uh, for women? Um, yeah. Sorry, your, your question was really... Um, you got thrown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just got thrown with Clive, and then I'm like, who's Clive? And then I'm thinking in my head, I'm no, like, sorry, Clive is a distraction and, then, and a diversion. Yes. And, and he has not helped us. We've been down a Clive cul-de-sac. Yes. Let's and, reverse out. <laughs> I'm going to hand you the feminist magic wand. <laughs> this is the feminist magic wand. Okay. 
So you've now got it. I grant you that. You can go like that. And so, and so what are your wishes? What would, what, would, what would happen if you were in charge? I, if I was in charge, especially because um, a lot of my work is really working with, again, communities and, and um, individuals, but because I get to see like clients coming in and the struggles and the challenges they have, um, I would um, suggest that Sorry. <laughs> um, I would um, suggest that um, I'm really a bit um, really thrown. Yes, please. <laughs> no, pick up the ball. This is feminism. This is the sisterhood in action. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, things that we've seen really work are um, that longer term, well, that would work would be longer term support for people, flexible. So, in terms of things like English language classes, etc., it's having them in flexible times for people. Um, actually, COVID allowed people to do some of those language classes online, um, so there was, a, there was a benefit there. So it's about having the longer supports, it's about having a gender lens over how you do things, like if you're going to provide English language classes, think about how to make them accessible for women. It's about, I mean, we had some really um, beautiful examples of employers who had a real commitment to um, women from refugee backgrounds who wanted to facilitate um, connection and, and, and supporting them not just to get the job and give people a go, but within the, within the job. So some of the women, um, one example was a um, disability provider and she had a particular interest in supporting women from refugee backgrounds into employment. She worked with one of the agencies here to, to find people and bring them in. One of the things that um, some women from refugee backgrounds experience um, is racism and discrimination in society and also in their work. And one of the things that this employer did was to really uh, open up opportunity to talk about that. So she had a weekly agenda item for the staff meeting to talk about racism. And so that was an opportunity for those women to talk about their experiences and to feel the support and connection. The notes would say... What, that you may that this client may be prejudiced, so that a woman would go in with an understanding that that might be the case. So, just a, an example like that of an employer really understanding the context of a woman's life. So, there's the big picture kind of um, government policy. So, certainly things like and this is not just gendered. This is the the point I was making before about visas. It's about abolishing those temporary visas. It's about increasing the number of people here. It's about looking at qualification recognition. So another thing that, that we found is that you know women coming in. So often we have found quite highly skilled women being funneled into quite low-skilled work. And that's partly because employment services just need to tick that they've got someone a job. Right. Not so even though they've got a, a high, qualification high qualification or their medical qualification, it's just like, we'll get you, get you into the bakery. Don't worry about transferring a medical degree that's going to be too much that's going to be too difficult yeah and you need someone to help them transfer those qualifications yeah I think yeah just to redeem myself (laughs) (laughs) I blame Clive all all I know I ain't going home thinking I did not say something so (laughs) you were doing amazing we love you we love you (laughs) 
So um, just to add to what um, Anna was saying, um, a lot of the work, um, we try and have conversation in the work that I do with employers. And so we connect a lot with employers and um, we tell them um, these are some of the clients, they're skilled this way, these are their skills um, um, that they have. And they're newly arrived, um, they're ready to work and, um, and they're very keen. So um, we we kind of give a, a rundown and have that relationship with um, uh, different employers. And so to really just um, look beyond just the English language, um, a lot of our women that come in, they have um, um, limited English and stuff, but it doesn't mean they don't have great work ethics at all. Um, and sadly, sometimes like that's what you see the moment you have even just a little bit of accent. Um, then apparently, um, yeah, you don't speak English and you don't know anything. And um, even being here in Australia nearly 20 years, I still get that. But just to be more, um, I guess, um, sensitive um, and to employ um, um, people from a refugee background. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. But I guess also having that support network continue on. I mean, obviously, if, you know, the employee, they, it'd be so beneficial to have, you know, someone like you be able to come in and just be there a lot longer, you know. Yeah. It's really, you know, the, the end of my bit. <laughs> Can I ask, is there any, our audience love to help and love to get involved and you've got a captive audience here of people in Adelaide. What can people do to help, to support, to get involved, to fund, uh, to endorse, to share? What would you like this audience to do? Um, do you want to start? <laughs> sure, more questions. <laughs> no, um, I'm really, really um, honoured to be here, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is that if you can um, involve yourself in uh, volunteering for local services, um, it would be fantastic. Um, um, a lot of the time there is group, like, so for example, English classes, and they don't have a lot of volunteers. Like, involve... Um, just being involved in that is sometimes enough and torturing um, you know um, these newly arrived people or your neighbor that's just you know newly arrived say hello to them um, these are some of the small things that um, help them you know you are linking them to different um, you know so um, people here services. could get involved in English speaking classes or conversational classes yeah conversational classes how yeah. do they do that where, where do they go well, there's many local services there's, um, that I could name, um, uh, you know, such as Anglicare. There is, um, uh, you know, circles of friends. There's lots of actually um, services that are out there um, that people can be involved. So with. they but can so Google circles of friends. Did you say? Yeah, like different places like that. Circle so of friends, welcoming centre. Yeah, circle of friends, well, welcoming, welcoming centre. That's a good one to start with, and yeah. then they can probably you know direct you to other ones. Even places like Ara Australian Refugee. Um, association, all, all those places, um, they're already um, yeah. Great. And can I add some? Yeah. yeah. Um, so from the employment perspective, it's about where possible if you can support businesses run by people from refugee backgrounds. So in one of the studies that we did, there are a number of catering companies, someone who provides um, disposable plates um, and a range of other, I think you were saying you knew some other a range of other businesses. So we Is can, there a resource where even we could put in our podcast show notes of 
businesses from people with refugee backgrounds that people could support here? Yes, we can. We can. Great. Sure. And you were telling me backstage about caterers. Yeah. So there's a couple of catering businesses that we know. They're really good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And how do people find out who... Because if they had... There'll be people here who've got events. Dungeons & Dragons probably have events all the time. (laughs) And they need those events catered. You cannot play... The hours they play, they need food delivered to the door. I've seen it on Stranger Things. They play round the clock, you know. So if Dungeons & Dragons need catering, do you have the name of a company that they could support? We can definitely put some names in your show notes. Put some names in the show notes and uh, maybe also... But tell me now, what is it? Because I'm thinking about... If you like (laughs) flavour, go to Mama Rashida. Mama Mama Rashida. Rashida. Yeah, I love that place. And is that in Adelaide? Mama Rashida. it's in Adelaide, up in the north. We use them a lot. Is it a restaurant? Yes. Okay, so Mama Rashida... That's where we're going after the show, <laughs> all of us. Um, going to Mama Rashida. So support Mama Rashida, and they also do catering, did you tell me? Um, yeah, she does catering. Okay, and yeah. then if you could give us some other ones to put in yeah. the show notes, that would be really helpful. Um, Can fantastic. I still add a few more? Yeah. Wishes? Sorry? Can I add some more wishes? Yeah. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Which is just if you're an employer and you're looking for someone to employ, to think about how you might facilitate someone from a refugee background coming into that job and once they're in the job how you might support them once they're in there one of the other things that people so and thinking about what local experience might mean or experience and skills a lot of people require local experience here but there are many skills that people are bringing from their home countries and through their their journey to Australia that will be really helpful for your business um, and another thing are that you people... allowed to advertise though and say we refugees wanted or you know how do you, you can go connect, about you can that? connect into services that are Right, particularly designed seeking for to, to, to find work for people from refugee backgrounds. And also the other thing that people struggle with is not knowing how to find a job and not having the social connections. We know Adelaide, as you said, mm. you know, we all know one another and many of you would have got your latest job through someone that you knew. So it's about thinking how you can use the social networks to connect people in who may not have those. That's such a big thing. If you can just get to know somebody, maybe at one of those conversation groups or through somebody or through like an Adelaide... Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) If you can get to to know somebody who's arrived here as a refugee and introduce them to people, like how do you know people? You have them over to a barbecue or something and then they'll meet people. What do you do? Oh, I do that. Oh, you're an illustrator. I don't know. know. And that's how we all get stuff. That you, you're resourced mm. and so just bringing them into your social circle and treating them like they're a person can be the biggest thing you can do and Mama Rashida can do the catering at the barbecue <gasps> that's a great idea <laughs> okay that's phenomenal and advocacy <laughs> advocacy so, yeah. the, the, advocating around some of the things that we've talked about visas and um, quotas and I saw Amnesty was here today so that's, the, that's looking at the refugee sort of experience at the source mm-hmm. as well so that's mm-hmm. another thing Amnesty International are in the building tonight. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, um, I'm an Amnesty ambassador. So get involved in Adelaide Amnesty because they're, they've always, if you're thinking, oh, I'm frustrated, I don't know what to do, or you know, I wish I could do more, they will direct you to what you can do all the time. So it's re- they make it really, really easy. And you just, without, really, you know, without having to come up with all of this yourself, you're plugged into an organisation that's already constantly doing something for human rights. They can say, this person over here, this person, can you write a letter about this? Can you get someone else involved in this? Can you volunteer here? You share this. And whatever level you're at, whether that's you've got time 
to share something online or whether you've got time to actually get more involved, they'll give you something to do. Um, now, before we finish up, is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? I think I've hogged the mic. Wait, did you have anything? No, I already redeemed myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think, yeah. No redemption necessary. You're doing incredible work. And we absolutely love you and we really appreciate you coming on The Guilty Feminist. Um, I did say to this audience before, if there was anyone, if, does any, if anyone has anything local that you need people to get involved with, um, just, just shout out now. If you, do you, does anyone need help or funding for anything? The Working Women's Centre. The Working Women's Centre. Okay, uh, just quickly, where are you? Can you quickly run forward and take the mic? And, if you, and you've got like a 60-second elevator pitch. <laughs> Um, the Working Women's Centre is a community legal centre that helps women with work-related issues, so things like wage theft, discrimination, sexual harassment, all of those things. Um, if you want to like us on Facebook, sign up to our mailing list, donate to us if you've got money, you can fundraise us. Um, recently, in the last financial year, we recovered over a million dollars in stolen wages, compensation, lost income... And it's a very small team of about five lawyers or legal eagles, as I like to think of them. They're amazing. Um, also, if you have a stable job and stable income, you should join your union as well. What's your name? Uh, my name's Shay. Shay, and this is the Working Women's Centre. Um, the Working Women's Centre, SA. SA, South Australia. Do you have... Um, do, you, will you accept direct debits? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so, do you have a system for that? Can people go there today on the website? Yeah, so if you go to the Working Women's Centre's website, that's www.wcsa.org.au, or just Google Working Women's Centre, you'll find us. Click on the donate button. Great. And if you could give, like, a pound a month or two... I'm sorry, a dollar a month, sorry. <laughs> got where I was. Uh, $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. Whatever it is that you think you can give, you know that's going somewhere really good. That's your money at work for feminism. And if you sometimes think, oh, my God, I'm so busy in my job, and I don't know what Just knowing that, and then you're invested, and you get all of the details from them, and you can see what they're doing, and then when you do have a bit more time or energy, um, you can then get involved... But what I would say is um, the request I'd make is don't every if everyone should tweet retweet it at the same time. But everyone over the next 24 hours retweet, share on Facebook, whatever. But could I ask you? This is a better strategy, and I've just learned this recently. Find look through your WhatsApp groups. Who are the rich people? <laughs> and directly write to somebody and go, hey, I think you'd really like this. Like rich women say, hey, the Working Women's Centre really needs investment by someone like you, and I was thinking about you, and I heard about this at The Guilty Feminist, and I really thought of you, and I think you'd be an amazing patron or, you know, amazing sponsor. And if you directly ask someone, rather than them seeing it as wallpaper, very few rich people go, no. They go, oh, you've thought of me as a philanthropist, and I've thought of you. And if you say, I've thought of you because I know how much you care... And I know also that you love, you know, in you, how, you know, I see you as a feminist in my life. Da, 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 da. I've tried this on LGBTQ issues with rich gay men. It really works. 
really works. So that's what I would ask you to do. The richest person in your life, you go to them and you ask them, what could I you give? I this, this has been done to me. <laughs> Not by me. Not by you. But do you? I'm, I'm in a WhatsApp group. They battered you. Donut, and I did. Yeah, see? It works. The anyway, system works. Um, well, listen, thank you so much. You have been an incredible advocate, and I just love the way you've just jumped up and, and just done the most incredible pitch. Absolutely amazing. Um, oh, thank you so much. Now, we have to finish the show. Um, you're double fisting. We have to finish the show, and so to do that, um, we're all going to stay up. Um, and if she is still awake, because she's quite jet-lagged, she's only been here for two days, so she's been going to bed at 7 o'clock. If she's still awake, please welcome to the stage the incredible Grace Petrie! Still here. Oh, what a night. Thanks so much. Are you, are you enjoying yourselves, Adelaide? Yeah. Basically, a few years ago, um, I was... So what happened is I got dumped, right? I got dumped... Um, oh, a bigger laugh from the back of the auditorium for that. Thanks very much. No, I suppose I did deserve it. Um, I got dumped. And, uh, and I was... Yeah, but I've just been dating someone, like, not for very long, and it just didn't work out, and... Uh, and, you know, I just sort of never really found out why, you know? And I was, around about the time I sort of, like, you know when you just start thinking about it all the time and I was sort of talking to my friends about it all the time and I was, like, you know, trying to analyse it with my friends all the time and then I sort of realised that my friends were getting pretty fucking sick of this, to be honest. They were like, yeah, do, do you know what, just sort of move on. Um, and uh, I've got two uh, little nieces and, uh, and around about this time in my life, they were uh, watching a lot of Frozen. You know the Disney film Frozen? And <laughs> a rather frosty reception for Frozen. Has it got beef with Adelaide that I don't know about? But at, at this time in my life, I found, I found the film very helpful. Give me a shout if you've seen Frozen. Okay. Okay. Well then, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is for all of you guys who've ever been ghosted. Um, or watched Frozen. <laughs> or that Venn diagram in the middle. <laughs> which comprises me. Um, uh, it's called Princess Elsa Blues. Uh, and, uh, and after this, uh, you're going to be released for an interval. So uh, well, I'll leave you on this one, I guess. Like Last night in the pub, I realised I was being tolerated, not enjoyed I saw it there reflected in friends' eyes That I'd become the kind of person I avoid Well, I woke up feeling rough and wondering when My needle got stuck on a groove called you and as I reached for Alka-Seltzer, the wisdom of Elsa came to me And now I know what I must do Because uh, living without you, I've gotten pretty good Just need to stop talking about you Like my friends all wish I would And I don't understand what happened But I guess I'll never know I don't need to go to a palace made of snow 
I just need to let it go Epiphanies can come from anywhere From the sunrise or the verses of Shakespeare But it wasn't Sylvia Plath or Nietzsche That turned out to be my teacher It was Disney had the words I had to hear Because uh, living without you I've gotten pretty good Just need to stop talking about you Like my friends all wish I would And I don't understand what happened but I guess I'll never know I don't need to go To a palace made of snow I just need to let it go Let it go Can't hold it back anymore Let it go, let it go Turn away and slam the door And all those times I just wouldn't be told Well now I've finally broke out this chokehold And all the times, all the times you were Never bothered me anyway. Because of living without you, I've gotten pretty good. Just need to stop talking about you. Like my friends all wish I would, and I don't understand what happened. But I guess I'll never know. I don't need to go to a palace made of snow. I just need to let it go. I just need to let it go I just need to let it go You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Geraldine Hickey, with my very special guests, Professor Anne Ziesch, Awit Kuak, and Manal Yunus, with music from Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Salinsky. Thanks to Bone Presents, UTA, and all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. to create social change. Her work mostly revolves around working with newly arrived communities, whether in research, group work, or whether in research. This is for the podcast. If I do it again, normally I would just drive through. But for the listeners at home, I've got to make it perfect. You have to accept anything. (laughs) I'm so sorry that's your punishment for coming out. You get to see all the bloopers in real time. Um, She is passionate about working with individuals, groups, and communities to create social change. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com